Welcome to First Baptist Church in Belton. We are glad you found us. We seek to know Jesus intimately, serve Jesus passionately, and share Jesus globally together. Thank you so much for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Would you bow with me, please, for prayer? Ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of His holiness. Father, I pray that our worship has been pleasing to You because it is our desire to give glory to Your name. We love You with all our hearts. We thank You for Jesus And pray now that you would speak to us from your word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. This morning, I want to ask you to open your Bibles to John, the third chapter. And I have changed the message during the week from what I intended to preach. That does not happen to me very often, maybe five or six times in a 40-something year career of preaching the gospel. But I knew by Thursday morning that I needed to shift gears. And so just hang on to the bulletin. You can use it next week. (laughs) I felt without question that the Holy Spirit was encouraging me to preach a message entitled very simply, Salvation. Perhaps you'd call it a follow-up to first worship. I don't know, but it has been a spiritually incredible week. So I want us to read chapter 3, verses 1 through 21 of John's Gospel. Maybe, for many of us, the single most familiar passage of Scripture in all the Bible. So let's let's stand. I, I know you're standing a lot, but um, that's... If if it's too much, nobody thinks badly of you for staying seated. Don't worry about that. Now, there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old, Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. Now, pause there. The first you in verse 7 is singular. He's addressing that to Nicodemus. The you then where he says you must be born again is plural. He's talking about us, all of us. You must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be, Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and do you not understand these things? 
Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know, and we testify to what we have seen. But still, you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes have eternal life may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. You may be seated. William Dixon lived in England a number of years ago. He was a widower. He had lost his only son. One day he saw that the house of one of his neighbors was on fire. Although the elderly owner had been rescued, her orphaned grandson was still trapped in the fire. William Dixon immediately climbed an iron pipe on the side of the house and lowered the boy to safety. His hands and arms were badly burned in the rescue, but he was thankful to get the boy out of the fire. Shortly after the fire, the grandmother died, and the townspeople wondered who's going to care for the little boy. Two volunteers appeared before the town council to offer their homes to the little boy. One of them was William Dixon. And when it was his turn to speak, instead of saying anything, he merely held up his scarred hands and arms. And when the vote was taken, the boy was given to William Dixon. And the chairman of the city council said, Sir, the scars on your arms are proof of your love for this boy, as well as your promise to take good care of him. The Bible says to us this morning, that the scars on Jesus' hand and feet are the proof of God's love for us. And so this morning, as we think about salvation, I'm cognizant of the fact that someone here today needs Jesus. It is not possible that this many people could gather in this room without there being someone here who needs Jesus. Is that person you? I want us to begin by thinking about the story this morning. Nicodemus was a Pharisee, a religious leader. He knew Scripture, which, of course, at that time was the Old Testament. He lived outwardly a very good life, and he had been watching Jesus asking himself this question, who is he? Who is he really? He was impressed with his words as he expresses to Jesus. 
And he was impressed with what is recorded in the second chapter of John's gospel when Jesus cleansed the temple. He ran the money changers out of the temple courts. And Nicodemus saw that and heard the words of Jesus. And Jesus' authoritative action and powerful words caused Nicodemus to think. This is the kind of man that I believe Scripture describes as the coming Messiah. That's what Nicodemus was thinking. Nicodemus is rich, he's respected, he's educated, and he's a leader. But none of that has brought him peace in his heart. And so he puts aside his pride and came to Jesus. Now he came at night perhaps so that other religious leaders would not see him coming to Jesus. But as he comes to Jesus, he is asking a question, Are you the one? Nicodemus is a good man by every standard of measurement. He is earnest. This is no charade. This visit potentially could cost him dearly if he is discovered approaching Jesus. And he risks all of that in order to find out the truth. Are you the one? And so he says, Rabbi, perhaps today we would say, Doctor, Dr. Nicodemus, Rabbi Nicodemus. Nicodemus is at the top of a pedestal in Israel But he is lacking and he is looking. He is in for a surprise because the words of Jesus are not what he expected. Which then leads us to the second thing this morning, which is the necessity. The necessity. Jesus gets straight to the point. You must be born again. Nicodemus is not familiar with such terminology. He thinks then of physical birth, and he says, I'm an adult. Am I expected to get back into my mother's womb and be born again? Nicodemus had had a physical birth. Now he needs a spiritual birth. Born of water, the physical birth, now he needs to be born of the Spirit. And you and I have that same need. I'm beginning to see something in the text that we should understand. Going to church is not the same as being born again. Being a good citizen is not the same as being born again. Born again implies an inner experience of the heart. So that leads us then to the third thing, which is the mystery. If you look again at verse 8, the text says, the words of Jesus, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Jesus is describing here for us the part played by the Holy Spirit comparing it to the wind. The wind blows where 
it will, and I do not control it, and neither do you. But I do respond to it. If I have a sailboat and I take it out to Lake Belton, then I set my sail to the wind. Or if I want to fly a kite with my grandchildren, then I let lift that kite into the air so that the wind may catch it and take it higher and higher and higher. If I play golf and the wind is blowing, I may need to adjust my golf shot to let the wind assist me instead of hurting me. Or, like yesterday, when we had a morning soccer match to see with one of our grandkids playing and the wind blew, I responded by pulling my coat up a little bit closer to stay warm. We respond to the wind. We don't control it, but we respond to the wind. And in the same way, Jesus says the Spirit woos, calls, draws, and you respond. And that may be the need of someone in this room today to respond to the drawing and calling of the Holy Spirit to your heart. You must be born again. And as the Spirit calls, you respond. That leads to number four, the explanation. The explanation. How can this be? Nicodemus asks. Jesus lays out the facts. And he says, faith is required, Nicodemus. And he illustrates that from Scripture, from the Old Testament book of Numbers, the 21st chapter, as the children of Israel are in the wilderness and they are growing impatient and they are growing rebellious and they are fussing and are angry at God and angry at Moses. And so God, in his anger, sends poisonous snakes among his people and some of the people are bitten by the snakes and some of them begin to die. And so the people, seeing the horror of this, confess and repent and beg Moses, please ask God to take the snakes away. And God tells Moses, put a bronze snake on a pole and lift it high. And when someone is bitten by the snake, tell them to look to the bronze snake, look and believe and they will be saved from death. Here's the way it is recorded in Numbers chapter 21, beginning with verse 4. They traveled from Mount Hor along the route to the Red Sea to go around Edom, but the people grew impatient on the way. They spoke against God and against Moses and said, Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? There is no bread, there is no water, and we detest this miserable food. The manna. Then the Lord sent venomous snakes among them. They bit the people, and many Israelites died. The people came to Moses and said, We sinned when we spoke against the Lord and against you. Pray that the Lord will take the snakes away from us. So Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said to Moses, Make a snake, put it on a pole. 
Anyone who is bitten can look at it and live. So Moses made a bronze snake and put it on a pole. Then when anyone was bitten by a snake and looked at the bronze snake, they lived. Now, what comes to our mind when we think about the bronze snake being lifted up and those who look, believe, are saved? Jesus says he will be lifted up on a cross. And those who look by faith will be saved from spiritual death. Nicodemus can't understand this yet, but he will. And we place our faith in Jesus, the one crucified for us, having repented of our sin, and we are saved. That leads then to the fifth thing, which is the declaration. Perhaps the most famous verses in the Bible make up this declaration. Beginning with verse 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. My friends, my precious church family, verse 16 shows us the heart and the mind of God. There are five word pairs in verse 16. There is the pairing of God and Son. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son. God and Son, the giver and the gift. There's another word pair in verse 16. Loved and gave. Loved and gave. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Loved the motivation, gave the proof of his love for us. There's a third word pair, world, whoever. For God so loved the world that whoever whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. World, whoever world, all of us, whoever, you, and me. And then there's another word pair, believes and have. Whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Believes and have. It's as if we stretch our hand out in faith And when we pull it back, we bring with it the gift of eternal life. There is then one final word pair, perish and life. Perish and life. Perish, utter lostness, life, unending life. Perish, hell, life heaven for God so loved the world verse 17 tells us why he came he did not God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him and verse 18 reminds us of the importance of the word believe John the Baptist said when Jesus came to the river Jordan to be baptized by John 
John said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And now we understand in, in, in this 18th verse what that means when we say believe. Whoever believes in Him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe stand condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. Verses 19 through 21 give us the the contrast between light and darkness. Those who walk in the light following Jesus, those who walk in darkness lost in sin. I wish we had time to go to chapter 4. We don't. But in chapter 4, Jesus meets this Samaritan woman by the well, this adulterous woman whose lifestyle is in complete contrast to the lifestyle of Nicodemus. And so Jesus says to Nicodemus, Nicodemus, you must be born again. And God says to the sinful woman, the sinful Samaritan woman, woman, you can be born again. The message of the gospel, we must be born again. Then that leads us to the last point, and that is the decision. The decision. The wind of the Holy Spirit moves. He speaks. He draws. And as he does, you understand, he speaks to your heart because God loves you. He gave Jesus to die on a cross for your sin and for mine. Look to him and be born again and live. Are you ready? It's time. Look to Jesus and live. Bow with me, please, for prayer. I can't know where you are or who you are. But I am confident of this. The Spirit of God is speaking to someone in this room this morning. You do not yet know Jesus. You have not been born again. But the Spirit of God is speaking to you today, and you know it drawing you, calling you to give your heart and life to Jesus. That's the Spirit saying to you, God loves you. He loves you so much that He gave, that He gave His one and only Son to shed His blood on a cruel cross that your sin might be forgiven. Then He arose in triumph from the grave that you might have eternal life. And so this morning, as we sing, the Spirit of God is calling and invites you to leave your seat, to come here to the front where I am, place your hand in mine, and say very simply, I need Jesus. And a member of our staff will be here to pray with you that on this day, you can be born again. And so don't delay. 
The Spirit is calling and drawing and wooing. And as soon as we stand in just a moment and begin to sing, I invite you to come. For those who've already been born again, I invite you to pray for those who need Jesus this morning or pray a prayer of gratitude and thanksgiving for what God has done in your life. Now, Father, we are a grateful people. Thank you for the provision of your son Jesus, for the forgiveness of our sins and the gift of eternal life. I don't know who needs to come, but I know you know, and I know the Spirit is calling and drawing that one. And I pray that he or she or they will come right now, trusting Jesus as Savior and Lord. In his name I pray, amen. God speaks to your heart. Will you come as we stand and sing? Thank you for listening. Please feel free to call the church at 254-939-0705 if you need prayer or if you need to talk with someone. We're here to listen, help, and encourage. 